for the side man, uh, it's it's up to you to, to really service the music and right. serving the music, yeah. Yeah, yeah serving the music. And um, one thing that I've learned about being a side man is that if you're not playing your own music with people that you hired, with people that you have in mind playing your own tunes, if you're not doing that, you're working. Welcome to Keep Taking Ground, the saxophone podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Ryan, and today's guest has been called a dynamic musician from the multi-Grammy award-winning bassist, uh, Christian McBride. He's earned a Bachelor of Music from the prestigious Manhattan School of Music in New York, and he's also earned a Master's uh, in Jazz Studies from the University of Southern California's Polonius Monk Institute of Jazz. Uh, he has had a, a, an amazing career as a, as a leader, as well as playing with some of the likes of Christian McBride, Eric Reed, Mulgrew Miller, uh, John Faddis, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, uh, Yolanda Adams, Israel Horton, and check this out, Michael Buble, Ariana Grande, Tori Kelly, uh, Tony Braxton, and the list goes on. It's really my pleasure to welcome Mr. Tim Green. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Uh, doing good, Jesse. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Really looking forward to this conversation and getting into some some cool information here. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah, man. It's um, I remember when I was uh, back home in, in Trinidad, uh, there was a period of time where I, I did my first year at Berkeley and I was back home for three years trying to figure out if I was going to go back to Berkeley, if I was going to move to New York, mm-hmm. just trying to figure where I was going to um, move on to really pursue a career in, in music. And that period of time, I, I think that's when I discovered you and it was on an album um, from Israel Horton and you wow. took a solo on a track and I like, I still remember that solo right now. I was like, so, so, so good. And yeah, since then I've been following your career. You've definitely been a huge influence on my sound, my approach to playing and even my writing, because I've, wow. I've checked out your writing a fair bit, um, mm-hmm. use of harmony and just sort of like some things like, like that. So you've really been one of my personal heroes and it's, it's been a pleasure to um, observe you and um, a pleasure to, to be chatting with you today, really. Um, I really believe that there is a gap in between mm-hmm. um, the award-winning in-demand saxophone player and the okay. aspiring sac- uh, professional saxophone player. And okay. so uh, these conversations on this podcast are geared towards really uh, me being curious about how to close that gap. And that gap isn't always closed by, let's say, pursuing a degree in music or just by time or just by practicing. I believe mm-hmm. that the in-demand award-winning saxophone player knows something that the rest of us don't know. And so I'm excited to discuss that with you today. And let's begin at the beginning. How did you okay. begin playing the saxophone? Let's see. Well, I started playing saxophone when I was, wow, what is the grade you're in? Well, in fifth grade, I went to a band camp. Okay. And my brother played the trumpet. And um, he used to go to a band camp during the summer. Okay. And uh, anyway, I followed him to the band camp. 
And, um, you know, as you do with your big brothers and everything mm -hmm. like that, your older, older siblings. Yep. So I went to the band camp and um, just kind of see what was going on. I wanted to play the drums and band instructor said, look, there's enough drummers here. You're going to play the saxophone. And so <laughs> there was one case that was in this room and it was just like, it was this green case. It looked like a, a suitcase. And I was like, please don't give me this case. <laughs> I don't want to carry this case around. And sure enough, she gave me that horn. I remember the oh. case of this day. It was like a green suitcase. And it was yeah. an alto saxophone in there. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, I took the horn home and just started practicing my scales. For some reason, I just did everything that um, my band instructor told me to do. Her name is Miss Betty McLeod. She just retired, like couple years ago actually um from teaching in uh, middle school but okay. anyway and she just started to teach us scales and teach us how to read music you know every good boy does fine and ethics yeah, 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 yeah. all that stuff and for some reason i just paid attention you know yeah i said that she said go home and practice this scale here's the fingering i went home and practiced it she said okay this is the next scale here it is i went home and practiced it and we went so forth and so on yeah. and everything she basically told me to do and and uh in middle school i just would do it yeah and um and just started just practicing you know kind of taking it serious and shout out to all the the middle school and, yeah, the middle and secondary school, school teachers. teachers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's super duper <laughs> important that's that's something i actually don't get a chance to talk about a lot but yeah that was mm -hmm. as my teacher if she didn't do a middle school band camp then i probably wouldn't have this be playing alto saxophone right now yeah. Um, so yeah that's where i started that's where i started in middle school cool miss betty mcleod yeah cool and um i kind of went off from there after that point um i auditioned for uh the baltimore school for the arts okay. um for high school um i did the twigs program which is a uh, like a pre high school program to kind of okay. like graduate you into into um to the high school program so i did that my eighth grade year okay. and i got into the baltimore school for the arts where i um studied with um dr chris ford and okay. also mr david stambler and they had a huge emphasis on you know classical music there so um as i was kind of learning jazz i was also had a, a big foundation in classical music you know all the french classical yeah, you know, sonatas and etudes and all the concertos and different things like that. I was shedding Charlie Parker Harmony book, and I was also, you know, shedding the Boza, you know, a lot of nice. concerto or shedding, you know, whatever other pieces there were to shed and outside of those books. So I was doing that at the same time, which is a part of the tradition of, I guess, alto saxophone playing. Yeah. Yeah, we all come out of with Bird, you know, shedding, mm -hmm. you know, all the French classical stuff on top of the blues. So, yeah, um, I didn't know that I was getting a proper, you know, education at the time in terms of playing the alto. Right. Um, but you know, my teachers were really in tune with what I needed to learn and uh, really took me to task on, you know, being a good um, technical saxophonist as well yeah. as um, learning, playing uh, you know, jazz as well. But that was I'm, my beginning. Yeah. Let's talk about what you began to pursue after having those experiences at 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 the 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 at the Manhattan school and at the the monk school what are you in pursuit of what have you been in pursuit of and what what do you define as like the goal for um the professional saxophone player at least how you defined it for yourself um professional saxophone player wow there's so much that goes into that my yeah my pursuit 
I've been in pursuit of being a great musician, you know, yeah. for the most part. I've just mm-hmm. been wanting to be a, a musician that happens to play the saxophone. Great musician that happens to play the saxophone. Yeah. Um, which means learn how to play melodies well, um, learn how to fit in different environments musically. Also, mm-hmm. learn how to play with dynamics, learn how to play with an amount of elegance, mm-hmm. learn how to play with a certain amount of beauty, learn how to play quiet, play soft but all playing with a certain type of truth and understanding within the melody at the same time. So yeah. my pursuit has been a great, to be a great musician. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been through the process of, you know, playing fast. I've been through the process of trying to play through all culturing changes as fast as I can, trying to play through all the most modern music that I can. I'm still working on that as much as possible, but yeah. at this point, I just want to be, a great musician and that encompasses everything you know what i mean if you sit down and talk to wayne shorter if you talk to whoever steve coleman greg osby all of those guys even kenny garrett that's definitely yeah. i ran into kenny at a um at a jazz festival we were in israel years ago at this uh, the, the lot jazz festival mm-hmm. and um we hooked up and he's like you know you got a lot of time to kind of hang out you know how it is and everybody's in some remote village somewhere yeah, yeah. waiting for a jazz <laughs> fest that they're going to pop up in the middle of a you know, some village square or something, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, So we out this place and I see him. He's like, yeah, man, you know, come down to the room, mm-hmm. you know, you know, let's, let's share it. So I'm like, wow. That's amazing, to, man. Yes, yeah, to be, <laughs> you know, we're about to go down there, you know, shed, you know, John sets, you know, we're about to, you know, he's about, and, and next thing the you know, holy grail. Get, yeah, the holy grail. So I get to his room and he's down there shedding um, the improv at the priest that bows the classical piece, the beginning part, which is opening, just like supposed to sound pretty improvisatory. improvisatory. Yeah. And then the second part, which is this fast, you mm-hmm. know, this fast traumatic thing. So he's just sitting there. He's just sitting there trying to figure out the fingerings, man, and like trying to figure out the best way to play these melodies, trying to figure out the best way to play these fingerings. And he's sitting there asking me questions. I'm like, Come on, you know, <laughs> you need to call your buddies Branford yeah, or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here just taking a Man. lesson by watching you shed, and, you know, so that was a big lesson for me. I'm like, he's not down there shedding, you know, he's not down there yeah. going crazy. This guy's by himself trying to figure out how to play these melodies and trying to be a great musician, period. Wow. So once he finishes learning how to do that, then he can get on stage and Go into his thing. That, yeah. That was, so, so that was a big lesson for me, man. Like, man. Okay, let's deal with the saxophone. Everything else from there, you'll be fine. Wow. But um, just deal with the saxophone. That's one of my first lessons when I have students, man. I just, you know, I kind of put them through the, mm-hmm. the can you play saxophone um, test first? Right. We can right, get right, through right. that, then we can move on to other stuff. But mm-hmm. you got to learn how to play, you know, play long tones and play with some type of articulation and understand what goes into playing an instrument before. Yeah. There's one thing that you mentioned that that stood out to me because I feel like it has become part of your DNA and the DNA of your, your label, the true melody music label that that you launched uh, a couple of years ago when you, you released your first um, record as a, as a leader, the idea of playing melodies. Well, Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like if that's something that, uh, you're you're really known for at least one of the things that stands out to me in your hmm. playing. Um, can you talk a little bit about 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 that a little more? Yeah. Um, let me see. 
I've uh, one of my mentors, great Margaret Miller, who's of mm-hmm. course no longer here with us. He once I was at when I met him at the Monk Institute, he was talking about he's like, look, man, you gotta get your sound together. You gotta learn how to play these melodies right. Yeah. And that always kind of stuck stuck with me. I was like, man, I gotta get this together. And um, and basically the concept behind it is that man, no matter if you're playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or you're playing, I don't know, man, playing Confirmation or playing John Steps. Yeah. These melodies have to be from a true place, and they have to be be. They have, they command a certain amount of depth out of you that reaches people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you're not playing in any type of truth or in any way that you're that you're embracing these melodies, it's not going to reach anybody else if it's not coming mm. from you in a true place to begin with. Um, so that's a big part of it. You know what I mean? All yeah. the melodies and all of when I was writing music, I was like, you know, how can I call? It's like, man, it's just true melodies. It's just just melodies that are coming from me. There's no lie about it. This is the true moments that I'm sitting down on my piano you know, coming up with and coming from out of a true place for me, whether it's attached to a story, yeah. a person, no matter what it is, but it's coming from a true place. Mm-hmm. And that creates a certain amount of depth um, that you play with as well. You know what I mean? It's just like playing ballads. Like you you don't play a ballad if you don't know the the, you know, the lyrics, you know what I mean? Right, it's not, right, there's no, right. there's, there's going to be no depth there. There's going to be no truth there. You have no mm-hmm. idea what you're playing. <laughs> you're just playing notes. You know, you don't know what this is about. You know what I mean? Yeah. You played a ballad. Last night, Cyrus been playing a couple of weeks with um a couple of days with Cyrus Chestnut's group. Yeah, but he's picking ballads that are in tune with the times that we're in. So we've been playing a ballad. We'll be together again, right? Be I'm like, okay, that has so much meaning yeah. to the moment. You know, there's a truth to the ballads and the music that we're playing. Everything should be led in a certain amount of truth and have some yeah concept of what is going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. you know, so that's my yeah. concept behind it, you know? that That's good, man. Um, yeah. I remember watching a video once um, <clears throat> where Christian McBride was talking about you. And hmm. he mentioned uh, really that he, he saw you as like a really consummate musician. Um, and he was really commending you for for your work as a sideman and what you bring to 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 any project that you are are a part of um can we talk a little bit about your work as a sideman okay sure and just like how how is it different um has your intent do are your intentions different or the things that you are in pursuit of is it different when you're a sideman as opposed to when you're a leader and just the whole experience of being a sideman uh yeah wow being a sideman that's so so many different worlds i've i've been in um first thing when it comes to being a sideman is um understanding that of course you're playing somebody else's music but in the bigger scheme of it it is just the dumb music <laughs> you know what i mean and it's coming from the big bubble of music right, right? and um you have to understand how to be a servant of the music and understand mm-hmm. what this person's music um, calls for. And it's really not, it is about the person in a way, right. but it's also about the music. So it also takes out some of the, um, some of the ego when you're working with great musicians. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. I'll give you a situation. Um, I had a chance to play with some great musical directors, man. You know what I mean? Whether I'm, uh, 
playing on a TV show. I've had a chance to play with Adam Blackstone, mm-hmm. played with Ricky Minor, and also yeah, Alan Chang, who, who was a musical director for Michael Bublé. Yeah. So when you're in a situation with great musical directors, you know, you always have a lot of different suggestions, right? Yeah. And you know, maybe it's a chart that you got a big band chart or somebody wants to take the bridge here or somebody mm-hmm. wants to cut out the pre-chorus here or somebody wants to, you know, is, is it a four bar intro or do we want a two bar intro? Whatever right. the case may be. It's, and then you got 30 musicians in a room, right? And the musical director is the person that hears the music the best. It's almost like they have like a direct download from yeah, yeah, yeah. God and the music. And they're, they're able to come up with the best solution right. about what the music is saying. Right. And when that person gives that suggestion, you might have one or two people that might be kind of like, you know, I don't know about that. But once we play it, you know, we cut off this bar, this intro. It's like, okay, that's what the music is saying. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no questions about it. Um, yeah. Um, so, so uh, anyway, so as a side man, uh, it's, it's up to you to, to really service the music. and Right. I'll, serving I'll have, the music, yeah. Yeah, yeah serving the music. And um, one thing that I've learned about being a side man is that if you're not playing your own music with people that you hired, with people that you have in mind playing your own tunes, if you're not doing that, you're working. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you need yeah. to be treating it as if it's a job. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. a part of a part of that job is learning what certain band leaders value mm-hmm. about their gigs and about their music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so you were talking about McBride. I got to find that interview you were talking about with McBride. That's that's huge coming from him. Um, oh, you haven't seen it? I haven't seen that. No, wow. I okay. Not, I, have not seen that. <laughs> I have not seen that. That's, yeah. that's huge. Um, but but so say for instance, my like uh, Christian McBride, great bassist that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. His music sounds fun to the ears, and it is fun to play. Mm-hmm. But all of his mu- all of his music is in bass keys. His, you know, the shade of the cedar tree, that's in E. Yeah. Um, Youthful Bliss, that's in the key of A. Yeah. He has another slow blues that's in D, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, e, A, D, G. I mean, he has another, I don't know if he has a blues in G, but all of his, and then he plays theme for Kareem, which is the blues in D flat, right? Okay. So all of these songs are catered around him. Right. So when he gets in this situation with his band, is he is going to be comfortable so it's this ain't no work for him this is him right at home he's in yeah, yeah, yeah. and all these keys that he wants to be on that he can't he can't be in those keys when he's playing with saxophone players right. he want to play in b flat you want to play mm-hmm. in f yeah we might want to play in e flat something like that like yeah i remember him telling the story about him doing gigs with jesse davis um you know back in the day when bradley's yeah. and stuff was together and you know, alto players, we want to get up and play Cherokee and Lightning Speed. And yeah, yeah. these players don't want to play that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, on his gig, you you have to be prepared to play in those keys mm-hmm. and also understand that he values the blues. And that's what his music is calling for, is the blues. All music kind of calls for the blues, but his music and his influences are James Brown and, and Ray Brown. So you need to understand that um, those two um, legends, they require you to play to play the blues and uh, as long as you're playing the blues and you're playing the melodies right and playing the changes right and um you know a great person um 
you're gonna you're gonna be all right playing um christian's music yeah so that's one instance that's, um, that's so important learning what your band leader values yeah and yeah. making sure that you're delivering on that yeah some some cats might be like all right man like i've been through you know look i've tried every alto play i can try and i got i found a cat that man he's on time every time you know what i mean like i don't have to worry about this cat coming late yeah i don't have to worry about him showing up you know you know how to the i don't know whatever you know what i mean they right, just right. have tried so many cats and look man this guy's there on time every time he might not be the baddest cat but he's on time mm-hmm. he learns all my music and i'm just tired of dealing with all these cats that's just bad but they just not on time they late for sound check we yeah. say lobby we say the lobby call is at 5 30 and this cat is getting down to the lobby and going to get a coffee at 5 30. no <laughs> the lobby comes at 5 30. don't yeah. get your coffee at five we are yeah. leaving at 5 30. different yeah. things like that you know what i mean yeah. you're working with cats that i guess that's on the professional yeah. side, professional of, side. Of, of the yes. music yeah, yeah yeah yes and you don't you don't want to be that one cat that's just holding up to, you don't want to be, I mean, everybody's going to have that day here and there some honest mistake might happen, but you don't want that to be an MO. You don't want to be the cat that's holding up the van. We got to get to the airport, man. It's yeah, the last yeah. on tour. Don't hang out tonight. <laughs> last, right. I mean, we're going to hang out. We're going to go and hang. Okay, cool. But let's be, let's be, let's be there, man. Let's, let's, let's be at this bus yeah. at 4.30. Andre Gretz, guess who used to manage, um, used to manage um, Lincoln Center. He used to, they used to call it the great big leave. Like when everybody left and <laughs> everybody was gone, you found your way. So anyway, there's certain things like that. So um, I don't know, there's so much more I can talk about. Yeah, I mean, um, like even in, the, even in the music too, um, I, 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 I yeah. get a sense that, you know, you talked about um, Christian valuing the, the, the Christian McBride valuing yeah. the, the blues. And right. you can hear that in his music, you know, you, you, right. you and getting a sense that you don't necessarily need to have a conversation with the band leader, but just right. by listening to their right. music, you get a sense of what they value both uh, professionally and musically. Right. And yeah. try to bring that to the table. Yeah, you have to do your research um, about what you're doing before you show up in a situation. You know what I mean? Because yeah. one thing that I've learned is that once you get to a situation, most likely, once you sit down in that chair, the most, the hardest job of that gig is going to be the first song that you play, right? Mm. So, say for instance, um, you're thinking, okay, man, I, you know, I got this. Um, it's funny, I, I, I did the show with Ricky Minor. We did mm-hmm. a tribute when Clive Davis um, did that documentary for Netflix. Mm-hmm. He did a concert in New York. And um, in any way, so Ricky might have put together a band with all the artists and we played for Earth and the Fire, Jennifer Hudson, Aretha Franklin, all these different people, right? So yeah, it's my first yeah. time playing with Ricky. I mean, I'd met him in passing and like every musician, we want to play with Ricky Minor just yeah. to have the experience. So anyway, I'm coming in rehearsal and I'm like super early there and everything like that. So, and uh, you know, in meanwhile, you know, like a lot of LA musicians, they, they audition you and you can, you can get fired on the first day. If, you, if you're not, they got cats ready to come in if you're not cutting it, if you're coming from an outside world. Yeah. So we get in rehearsal, we sound checking, I'm, you know, doing my best. I'm just sitting there, got my horns ready. I'm all warmed up. And anyway, we get to like, I don't know, it might have been like an Earth, Wind, Fire. So I said, like, all right, we're going to work on Earth, Wind, Fire first. I'm like, oh, I'm 
wow, okay, so we're not going to start with Aretha. We're not going to start with Whitney Houston tribute, you know, something like that. So all of a sudden, he's like, all right, come on, horns, blah, 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 let's play. And then meanwhile, he cuts off the, um, he cuts off like, he starts stripping down different instruments from the band. Yeah. Like, all right, no drums. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just horns. Okay, all right, no bass. And I'm like, we're still playing the parts. He's like, all right, no keyboards. Okay. And he's like, all right, horns by themselves. And then he mentioned something over there and he's like, turn up the horns. And so in, in that moment, he's like auditioning me mm. in that moment. I didn't, I was kind of, you know, developed, but he wanted to hear me before we got through. Then after wow. we finished it, he's like, all right, he, we good. And then we went to rehearse and the rest of the week was fine. <laughs> so when you show up in situations, you got to be ready for the hardest song, man. If somebody sends you five blueses and then one of the songs is a song in seven, just be prepared to play that song first when you go to the rehearsal. <laughs> All right. So, so anyway, we're, that's, we're that's... getting it live and directed. Uh, I know we, yeah. <laughs> when we were talking about this, uh, talking yesterday, um, yeah. a term came up that I want to, to, to use here, sidemanology. Yes. It's, it's a lot in there. And, and, you know, like I said, that's, that's from, 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 from Christian to, yeah. to, um, to being in a house band, Ricky Minor, and then you might have a gig, like, you know, Margaret, Margaret Miller. You know, Margaret yeah. was just a warm, soulful person. Mm -hmm. And he just liked to be around just kind of warm, soulful people. He, he just liked just down-home people that could yeah, yeah, play. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was just his thing. He didn't really want nobody catting or trying to be this or that. He just wanted just, you just think, think about his bands. He was in his yeah. band. Kareem Riggins, just a soulful guy. I, I feel like, like if that comes through his music too, that, right that essence yeah. yeah yeah so you know you you pull up to margaret miller gig with a you know with a shiny vest on and get on stage with you out of here that's not <laughs> that's not the gig it's like yeah be soulful but with margaret's gig which is totally different from playing in a house band margaret's music is based in the blues as well but there's yep. an extra level of advanced harmony to mm -hmm. his music yeah so you have to understand extensions and you under, have to understand the level of sophisticated harmony that kind of rests within between the lines of his music. Yeah. So you have to be, you have to be harmonically sound as well as sound in the blues. So Margaret was just like a genius of like blues mixed with modern harmony and learn how to kind of have it all together. So it was a just different, 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 different things. But in the end of the day, you know, I've been super fortunate to be able to just work on all these different skills and hopefully yeah. be ready for them when it, when, when anybody calls me to, to do, um, to do gigs. And, and from that, then sitting in Michael Bublé's band playing lead alto, that's a whole nother thing. You're right. playing, you're playing lead, playing a solo, maybe here and there. When I first got called to do the gig, what, um, to do the gig with Michael, I was doing my research and I looked online and, you know, they playing a sold out arenas everywhere, everywhere around the world. I'm looking at these clips and I see that there's like a huge alto solo in the middle of the show, right? Mm. It's just like strings, you know, just all David Foster strings, beautiful, lush hum, just things going on. Just, yeah. And then in the middle of that, there's an alto solo. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be, the, this might be the most important part of this. Yeah. Video. Yeah, it's going to be me playing this solo. So let me learn this first, right? Mm. 
Um, so I wasn't really worried about it, but that was one thing that they valued about that gig. They wanted somebody that could play the solo well because it's a yeah. whole, it's a whole solo in front of, at least on the alto chair. I mean, they could care about people in the audience could care less about me, but the guys right. in the band, right. they wanted to make sure that I could, you know, I was able to deal with this, uh, with this solo. So when we get to rehearsal, lo and behold, like, all right, we got everything down. Okay, that solo. You know, you got a solo by yourself. It's like an eight-ball solo. <laughs> This in spotlight, so like, oh, really? Yeah, in front of 20,000 people, you know, 15,000 people. Okay, yeah, so we did that and I played it, and it was, uh, it was, it was good, it worked out. And um, and from there, I've been working with Michael, and he just wants you know, he's coming out of the tradition of Frank Sinatra, Sarah Vaughn, mm-hmm. yeah, Joe Williams, all the great, you know, vocalists, you know, singing with big bands and you know, and different things like that. So he just wants somebody that can play with the amount of energy. Mm-hmm. And also interpret that style of music well, and um, I always felt like within his shows, he's just looking for sparks from. I mean, you got this guy on stage singing in front of thousands of people every night. Yeah, he needs energy from anything he can get from in order to keep him going through the moment. So he's looking from energy. He's, I feel like he's looking from energy from anybody in the audience to get him going, mm-hmm. in the band or whatever it may be. So my job playing with him is just to play with the amount of energy be up there with the team, make sure, you know, I'm doing everything I need to be doing to be playing with the good energy and just, you know, just on the stage, um, just supplying the energy so we can make some beautiful music, you know? That's amazing, Tim. I love hearing those those stories on the road and just like those practical things that a lot of times, if you're not in those spaces, you don't get to, to see and, and, and observe. Um, and just get an idea of like the value system and knowing how to be prepared for a situation um, mm-hmm. like like that. I really love to talk about the idea of interpreting melodies because you mentioned it earlier in terms of um, you being intentional about playing melodies well. Right. Um, something that that Malcolm Miller um, kind of urged you to to do as as well. Um, mm-hmm. But before we talk about that. You're talking about some pretty high-profile gigs in the industry, um, and just looking at the people that you've played with, um, there are some people on in, in your bio that I didn't even have an idea that you played with. You know, it's a really really diverse list of people at the top of their game in in the industry um, that you've had the opportunity to work with as a sideman. So, you know, people might be listening and wondering, like, how did you get those gigs? You know, like as a sideman, right. I think that's also sure. part of the this whole thing of sidemanology. Like, how do you become a sideman? How do you get the call, or how did you sure. get the call for those gigs? Okay, so w- one thing. Where can I start? Let me start from like the beginning. Like, yeah. Once I kind of started playing, the the beginning of you starting to get called for gigs is just being a great musician. It's like being a saxophone player, a good saxophone player. It begins with that. Yeah. All the fruit will kind of branch and come out of you just being a good saxophone player and learning how to play well on your mm-hmm. instrument. Um, uh, so anyway, so people want somebody that they can call that's just willing to go to battle, man. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm gonna call Tim. We're gonna send him the music. It might be in E flat because I play the alto. It might be in concert. 
he's he's not gonna be hemming and hawing at me. Hey man, you got an E flat chart. Hey man, I can't read and see. You know, hey man, where's the music? You know, uh, the gig is you know in a week, and I need the music last month. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna do that. You know what I mean? I'm somebody that I like to think that I'm somebody that you can call for a gig. That look, what are we doing? Like I'm flexible. You know, where where are we going? <laughs> what what's happening? You know, in this music. So um, that's a big part of it, just being super duper flexible, yeah. learning those skills that you need in order to be a side man. Um, where was it? Where was I? I got lost in my. That's okay. In my thoughts there. You you um, you were kind of talking about what the question was. Uh, how did you get the call? Really? Okay, so yeah. so yeah, so so. A, a story I'll tell, I guess, is about how I started playing with Margaret. Yeah. I was studying with Jeff Clayton in California mm-hmm. when I was in school there. Yeah. And all the LA guys are like super duper business oriented when it comes to music. And I got mm-hmm. a lot of understanding about the music business from studying with Jeff Clayton. He told me the story about how he got the gig with Stevie Wonder. He said, Look, man, I learned all of Stevie Wonder's horn parts. And then I went to the rehearsal while I knew he was going to be, and I played the horn parts for him. He knew that I knew his music, mm-hmm. that I was invested enough in him to actually go to his rehearsal. Right. Same thing with jazz, man. You want to play with somebody? Learn their music. Go hear them play. With Margrew, I learned his music that he had left at the Muxitute from playing with us at, a, at his residency. Mm-hmm. I learned his music. Once I moved back to Baltimore, me and Warren Wolf and Alan Johnson, we would all play Margaret's music. And I just would call him on the phone, send him emails, and actually would send him MP3s of us playing his music. And just imagine that, Jesse, like if somebody took your music and sent you a, a piano player, sent yeah. some music. It's like, that's the ultimate, you know, that's, that's a humble feeling, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. these guys know my music. If I call them today, they can come and do a gig with me. You know what I mean? Because they already invested in that. Yeah. So knowing the people's music that you want to, um, Learn and once you, and once that happens, man, your name would just start start to get out there. When I got the first call, mm-hmm. well, I'll tell you the gig how how I got the gig with um. Well, I was coming in subbing for Steve Wilson. Okay. Um, and and that's why with, I was with Margaret. Well, with well with Margaret, sometimes we would do quartet gigs. Okay. And then I got a chance to play with Wingspan, but with um. With uh, with Christian McBride, I was subbing for Steve Wilson. Okay. So, um, I had met uh, Christian's manager on a gig with Darren Atwater, and here's this guy, Andre Guest. I did, I kind of knew him at the time. Yeah. But uh, Darren told me, said, "Man, that's Christian McBride's manager." And me understanding business, I'm like, "That is the key." Right. This <laughs> <laughs> is manager right here. So I'm not, you know, I'm just sitting around I'm like, "Look, man, if you ever need a sub." For Steve, let me know. You know, I'll, I would love to sub for him. Um, and then my friend Warren Wolf played in the band too. I was like, look, man, you need to sub, just let me know. So anyway, I get the call. We need you to go to Japan in, wow. in two months, right? So I'm like, wow, Japan? Really? Okay. We it's no <laughs> middle, we're not going to yeah, yeah, yeah. to play <laughs> we going that's what I'm saying. Again, it's like the most hugest situation that's gonna be yeah. like first. You just wanna immediately thrown in it's no wow. like let's warm up to it it's like all right we need to go to japan here's the visa information we're leaving in two months here's the music you know what i mean i'm not going to see mcbride until the lobby call once we right. all land um so anyway so here i go i'm like all right this is my big opportunity you know what i mean to play with them so i'm like look man what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take the music 
from the record. I'm just going to learn it all by heart. So I got the music from Warren. I got some, some of the music from, I think, from Andre. And then I learned all the music by heart, man. And I knew that would be a, a big thing um, because, number one, if so many alto players that would love to have that gig and I had to make sure that I was going to be <laughs> at least higher up on the list to be called the sub in again, you know what I mean? Right. And at the same time, I understood. I was like, okay, when this gig is going to be Carl Allen, Peter Martin is going to be here. And also my friend Warren, who helped me get the gig, I want to make yeah. sure I'm, I don't make him look bad. You know, right. He's the one right. that helped me get the gig. So if I make him look okay, then we're going to develop a good working relationship. You're going to look like, man, I can put my friend on this gig. Yeah. And, you, you know, they say some friends aren't good to work with, work together when it comes to business. We say, oh, right. okay, it'll be cool. And then we can do business together. We right, can play right. music. Yeah. Um, so I did that gig. And then that, that just that trickled down to me playing with Carl Allen um, and his band for a little right. while. And then I did a gig with Carl. We did some gigs together for a while. And then from that point with Carl, I did, Eric Reed did a week with us at Dizzy's. And then mm -hmm. from that gig, I started playing and recording with Eric Reed. So it just yeah. started becoming this big snowball thing. Wow. And just kind of, kind of going into one thing after the next, one thing after the next. So that kind of started the whole thing. But, um, so what do you think? So in, in in that whole thread of of this gig led to this gig and and this call led to this call, what do you think was the one thing that kept that train going? Was being a great saxophone player and a good musician first. Period. That's that's what it all comes from. And dealing with your instrument and playing and being a great musician, playing saxophone, shedding all the stuff that we talk about. There's no real shortcuts for it. I know that people want to hear that but once you get a call or opportunity especially now with all these webcasts going on different things you got to be careful with this stuff because you just people can hear you like it's nothing you know what I mean? you don't know like who knows who's watching man herbie could be checking in who's playing at smalls you know what i mean you never know right. maybe you pick up his laptop and see a link to smalls and that's herbie listening to you like that you don't know you know right. so you got to be careful now because mm -hmm. uh, people are going to be listening to you and that's the ultimate thing. But being a great musician and letting people know that you want to play with, that you want to play with them. Right. So and learn their that, music. Yes. Here's, here's the key. Know who you want to play with. Yeah. Learn their music. Yeah. Get in touch with them through their website or their manager. Send them a recording of you playing their music. That is the ultimate resume but as the ultimate job interview application, yeah. period. Yeah. Boom, you're going to get the call. If you play somebody's music and you send it to that manager, you send it to them, you're going to get the call for the gig. I truly, I truly believe that. Truly believe that. Oh, that's